My name is Mike Pridgen. I'm Andy Kirkwood. I'm Greg Rapport. And we are back at the ASVA pod, the all-serious, very adult podcast. Yeah, we're back. You can't keep us yeah, away. Yeah, this is the first time we've actually been at this table to record something in a while. It has it's been bad. a while. We recorded the um, the um, the primer for the Helium shows, mm. but... Yeah. At then... the time that this is being recorded, the, they're still in production. They're coming out. Yeah. The uh, second one came mm. out this week with... Um, yeah. <laughs> Glad to know you're on top of the release schedule. So we are here with Greg, uh, aka Thick Voice, uh, <laughs> and uh, because my mom constantly lambasts me on not introducing people well enough, uh, what is it that you do? Well, there's a couple things that I do, Mike. I mean, uh, the thing that I mainly do is uh, is run a nonprofit organization that I founded about four years ago called Age Out Angels that works with young people when they age out of the foster care system. They need they need a lot of help when they age out. Frequently, they are not prepared to uh, to survive, you mm-hmm. know, on the outside. And uh, and there's a little thing called the foster care to prison pipeline, which is basically where a kid ages out of foster care in the morning. They close the case file. By evening, he's hungry, has no place to sleep, uh, steals a little food, ends up in jail. By that night, wow! By that same evening, children wow. end up in jail. And and then you know, I mean, you can you can get crazier and crazier where they they they're fodder, they're prey for people who do human trafficking, you know, um, uh, drug dealers, just you know whatever. They're just mm-hmm. they're just absolute prey for all those people. And what this proves conclusively is I can essentially kill a cocktail party in about five minutes. <laughs> you know? Like, all, all somebody has to say to me is, so, what do you do? <laughs> and I'll have your guests crying and running out the door. <laughs> the pizza guy you gets know? there, and the host is like, just, just turn away. Yeah. <laughs> no know? one's going to be able to eat it. I like that you're ordering pizza to a cocktail party. <laughs> I'm not fancy. <laughs> you know this about me. My cocktails would be Mountain Dew. <laughs> the cherry in it. <laughs> So, so I mean, that's, that's sort of the main thing that I do, but mm-hmm. I've been a musician my whole life. I started playing music when I was like nine years old mm-hmm. and uh, uh, lost my voice at some point in that. <laughs> Came back thicker um, than ever. And, and so then I, I started just writing funny songs mm-hmm. about, I don't know, maybe five or six years ago. And, uh, and so now I, I balance the, the misery that I deal with during the day by writing funny songs and, and going out into clubs and hopefully hopefully making people laugh their heads off and forget their own troubles. That's so cool. You know? So, so you do a lot of shows? I, I, well, jeez, not as many as I'd as, like to, you yeah. know, because Age Out Angels does really keep me hopping. I'm all yeah. over the state all the time. Mm-hmm. We work with children all over New Jersey, and then occasionally a child, you know, runs away, and I get a call from Ohio or Tennessee, can you help me out? So, And I never know when that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'm the rude guy. If my phone rings, you know, like during this podcast, <laughs> no, I might fine. have to take it. Yeah. Because, no, you know, it's some kid yeah. who's in trouble. We're not live anymore. Yeah. So it's, it's all well, good. good. Yeah. Did, did you have kids of your own? I did, yeah. Yeah, I raised, yeah. Uh, I raised two beautiful children. One is uh, 27. One is 23. And, uh, and they're both out mm. in the world. Yeah. finding themselves and and I compare the kids that I work with to mm-hmm. the children that I raised all the time mm-hmm. and the the difference is just astounding in in terms of a basic ability to cope with life 
right? My, my children went to school. They understood what graduating school was all about. They know how to do a resume and how to pay their health care bill. And basic things that children who age out of foster care uh, just aren't prepared to do. They have no idea like how to manage money. Many have never even had a front door key. I mean, think about that, right? They've lived in, well, they get moved around. Maybe they lived in 10, 12 different homes, yeah. right? But they get moved into a home and they're not trusted. No one gives them a key to the house. They, they're not allowed to have friends over. And, and, and I, you guys met in middle school, right? Yeah. Okay, so cool. So do you remember middle school and high school? I don't know what it was like for you. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit older than you, but all we did in middle school and high school was beat the hell out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> we beat each other up every day. Yeah. And, um, but if a foster kid gets into a fight, a whole different dynamic happens. Like the police might get called. They get moved to another home. They get diagnosed with anger issues, you know, like all this horrible stuff happens to them just for, for being a, what, a teenage boy. Wow. You know, so, um, it's a whole, they're examined under a different lens. Yeah, exactly. That's so well put. Yeah. And, uh, and so, you know, when I compare, uh, the children that I work with to the children that I raised, mm-hmm. you know, I think how lucky my children were. Yeah. I was like, pulled the power out of me. the plug. <laughs> I was pulled the power out of the board. I'm going to be in a cocoon for the rest of the show. And he's been trying to pull the plug on this show for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> so this show, what, what we do um, a little bit, I, I, I want to get back to that because there's a lot to be told there. And that was Good. when we met. Um, and you told me that because, you know, first off, you were very funny. But also, you had this really deep story behind it, and I was like, that, "That's perfect," you know. And I was, yeah. I was very happy when you were like, "Yeah, I'll give this kid a shot." Cool. <laughs> I'll, cool. I'll come it's over so here nice and to, hang out. Oh, it's so nice to be noticed. <laughs> no, you know the funny thing about you know what I do is mm-hmm. that when when I first started doing this, I learned about it because I was going to retire, and I went to the library and I found a book that mm-hmm. told me about what it was, and it hit me like a thunderbolt. You know, this is what you got to do with the rest of your life, hmm. and I made one false assumption. That anybody would give a shit, <laughs> you know. Just, I thought, boy, I found this right, and it's yeah. I got to do this. When I tell other people, there's the bandwagon is going to be so long, people are going to jump on and want to help these kids out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing. Yeah, I'm sure you get a lot of well wishes, but just you know, right. the, the no backup behind exactly. it. Exactly. Oh, you're a hell of a guy. Here's mm-hmm. ten bucks. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun now. Yeah, yeah. Get somebody a McChicken. You know. So. You know, that's that's sort of part of the reality of, of promoting this. So I'm I'm very grateful mm-hmm. to have the opportunity to be here. Of talk course. Talk to you guys and maybe, you know, oh, uh, tell what, one, two million people? <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. Maybe over the course of 9,000 years. <laughs> I think you're lowballing us, to be honest. <laughs> no, uh... Yeah, so uh, what we do on this show, we actually started the show as a game show thing, and then it became what it is now, where we actually get to know people mm-hmm. a lot better. Um, so we play a game at the beginning mm-hmm. and Andy's giving me the eyes because What's he, knows, the prom? <laughs> he knows what I'm stalling for. <laughs> um, it is my job unceremoniously to come up with a prompt every week. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the prompt, Mike? And this week's prompt. Hey, hey Mike, what's the prompt? <laughs> I imagine I Andy you, bringing me behind got... a dumpster in a, in a leather jacket. Where's my fucking prompt? <laughs> Please, I'll get you your money. I promise. Uh, which celebrity would you trust to give you vital surgery? 
Oh. Yeah. Hmm. You have time to think because we can pause all we want. I have my answer. <laughs> I've got I've got my answer. All right. So what is your answer? We'll go with you first. Alan Pompeo. Who? Alan Pompeo. She plays the titular character on Grey's Anatomy. She's been pretending to be a doctor for so long, I think she can handle it. <laughs> I think that's the way to go. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. So do you have one? So, But anybody who's been a, yeah, anyone know, who's been been a, been a doctor, doctor, all the, the whole cast of ER, you know, <laughs> any, any of them, because they've yeah. been saying the words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So they're, they're going to like just, you know, say a bunch of words and I'll be out cold anyway. <laughs> it won't matter. <laughs> right? What's the surgery? The surgery. Ooh, exactly. Mm, they're removing. That might change my answer. The, so, yeah. See, you might not have her work on your prostate. Yeah. She's only, <laughs> she's only a general surgeon. She might. <laughs> they're taking out your I, appendix. I might do. Oh, then that's she's. What it, that's general. Taking sur- out your appendix. Yeah. You know what, though? I just. House. Because why not have oh. a drug addict work on you in the first place? <laughs> I didn't want to say it because I was hoping he would say it. Oh, that's great. Ooh, so. But, do- Dr. House versus Dr. Gray. Where's the bell? Um, oh, hey, I found it. Ding, let's go. <laughs> All right, everybody. The bell has rung. Is it still in the box from when we went to Helium? We don't need the bell. It's gone. We don't need the bell. Ding, ding, ding. We have a few minutes. Uh, so I'm going to give who... Uh, a guest chooses who goes first. So do you want him to throw himself under the bus, or do you want to give us your uh, your pitch first? Oh, I'd love to see a- anyone throw themselves under the bus. Okay, yeah. That, Andy goes that first. That sounds like fun no matter who it is. Okay, so Ellen Pompeo has been pretending to be a doctor for like 17 years on primetime television. I think once you've pretended to do something for so long, that becomes a part of who you are. She's got to have learned something over 17 years. You'd think that would work with politicians, too. You'd think they'd figure out what the hell they're doing. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't always work. But when you're an actor, you really get into the role. So I think yeah. that extensive experience pretending to be a surgeon would at least teach her something. Like maybe she picked up sewing on the side and then she knows how to suture. And then she's, like, learned all the terminology. She knows where everything is. Appendix, that's easy. That's, like, outpatient even. Still invasive. It's not outpatient. I just I don't know what outpatient means. It's invasive. It's actually a surgery. It's not outpatient. Your that's testicles are outpatient. Your appendix is not. <laughs> but the appendix, like, that thing's ready to fall off as it is. It's always getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. You take your, go in there with a scalpel and a, the other thing. And you... <laughs> It's a good thing Andy's not a celebrity. <laughs> you take a little snip, and you take the appendix out, and you tie all the little blood tubes together, make sure they don't bleed out. <laughs> and then uh, you just sew, it, sew, sew me back up. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've been operated on by Ellen Pompeo. You That's get, the name of I'm, his autobiography. And my chances of survival are decent. Not after this show. <laughs> you get, Andy, you could have been a doctor if you could have learned knots. <laughs> just it the, was the knots that kept you. I just you. needed yeah. the Boy Scouts to teach me a Windsor knot or something. Or just looks like a ball. A Windsor knot. Every surgical tie looks like a necktie. It really right? does. <laughs> That's the tie one. Shit. <laughs> a Windsor knot. Yeah, if you see the doctor wearing a tie, you got to look at the quality of the knot to make sure that your intestines are going to be fine. Oh, yeah. To like, put them back together. Like... Yeah, if you, if that doctor can tie a knot, they can suture. That's why <laughs> Andy's you, school of medicine. 
If they can tie a knot, they can suture. How do you test a woman, do- a woman doctor, Ben? There's got to be something equivalent. I, same thing. Say oh, the, so she's wearing a tie? Yeah. But if she's wearing not wearing a tie, what is it? She's trying to hide something or she's trying to not... She doesn't want to flaunt it. Well, you got to know she can tie her shoes. That's oh, yeah. Just look, look at, at their the shoes. shoes. Yeah. Perfect. Look at their shoes. If a doctor can tie their shoes real good, then they're going <laughs> to... So we got Dr. House against Ellen Pompeo. She plays Meredith Grey. Yeah. So Dr. House... Dr. House plays the guitar. Yes, he does. Another musician. So, mic drop. I'm done. Okay, fuck. <laughs> He's got the nimble fingers. He can play at the eulogy. He plays a guitar. He's hooked on Oxycontin. I mean, <laughs> what else could you want in a doctor? This sounds like, like Joe Perry. I should say that... Mer- is, 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 is <laughs> you, know, you know, he might be fine because Meredith Grey almost lost her license this season. <laughs> Did Dr. House ever lose his license? They oh, tried to, oh, I think they put him in jail or something they for tried a while. Their damnedest. I don't know if they he lost his license, but they yeah they tried they had, real hard. He said when just... they were out of plots by season six, you know mm. they they did all kinds of mean stuff to him. Oh, you found the bell. I spotted the just, bell. Oh, you have the bell. So so far we have that house is you know he's going to be very entertaining, obviously. Yeah, he's going to make a the, show uh, out of your yeah, surgery. Do accents. Mm. He's going to do accents. Yeah. He's going to play he's... your intestines like a six string. Mm. <laughs> He'll make puns about it, but ultimately he fixes everybody by the end of the show, right? Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Because so. it's not really my appendix. Oh. You see? It's something else. We don't know what it is. It, it looks you, like appendix, smells like appendix. You thought it was about it's the actually appendix. A, not appendix, it's actually and I'm getting worse. An allergic reaction to your window cleaner. <laughs> <laughs> it's always that bullshit. <laughs> He thought it was for the appendix, but he went in and yeah. Dr. House was telling everybody, don't do it. Don't take his appendix yeah, that's out. Right. It's, then, that's, that's right. That's not what it is. And then he calls that's everyone right. stupid for thinking it was the appendix. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not, that's right. And then he does a nose job and I'm fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you leave with, a, with another Probably nose. this man has a deviated septum. <laughs> I, this is, I think this is the quickest that I've ever been swayed. Yeah. <laughs> Normally it takes us a while. But I've, I've been just remarkably swayed here by by dr house i don't think there's even a competition here damn it i didn't make a good argument who could have guessed our guest could (laughs) so uh, we have a winner (laughs) we have a winner the bell is back we did it yeah we found it um in the apartment closing statements (laughs) uh i'm sorry well greg you made a good argument uh i should have uh read up on my candidate a bit more (laughs) no ellen pompeo strong Pompeo strong. Pompeo strong all day long. Well, I, Andy, I mean, since since a celebrity is the person doing the operation, essentially we'd both be dead anyway. So we're all so losers. it's a tie, and your bacon number it. goes up. <laughs> and my what? Your bacon number goes up. You know about the bacon number? Like the Kevin Bacon game? Yeah, the Kevin Bacon game. Oh, so it's that much quicker to get me to uh, a, de- a, a prime time TV star? Yeah. If you could operate, I mean, you might die, but your IMDb page will be interesting. <laughs> so wait, am I an extra on the show and I'm like the guy on the table? You're an extra on the show, but it's a snuff film. <laughs> so <laughs> they're sacrificing you for realism. Okay. When you die, all those paintings you did in fourth grade suddenly go up in value. Oh, yeah. So. It's like a, I could be the next Banksy, except he's still alive. <laughs> yeah, you can't be the next of somebody when they're still around. And also, what does it say about me if I have to die to become the next Banksy? But he's still Banksy when he's alive. Maybe that's one of his things. It's one of his art shows. Banksy's been dead the whole time. 
Well, there's a theory he's that a, he's Banksy a... is a group of people. That's um, in, that's an interesting theory. Yeah, no, I mean, I was a few people probably know. We'll never know. It could. I mean, anyone could be can Andy say, Kaufman. Anyone that's can, my theory. Anyone can say they're Banksy. Andy Kaufman. Yeah, I think it's Andy Kaufman. You think it's Andy Kaufman? Why not? Then I think it's Danny DeVito. Fuck you. <laughs> And they're just they're just building up to a taxi uh, reboot. <laughs> What's that I smell? What's Innovation, that? I'd say. Hey Tom. Hey Nancy. Hey Mark. Well, you guys sound reluctant, and what? That Speak is, up. It's it's about as fitting as it gets because I have a product for you guys uh, that I don't think I don't think either of you came in here expecting to hear about. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever uh, you ever been uh, cooking no. on like a a stove or a, a grill top. I know Scarlett has. Um, and there's just so much grease everywhere. Mm. And, you know, you can't put it down the drain or anything. So, so you, you got to do something with it. Right. Well, yeah. this company just came out with candle molds. Can you repeat that, Mike, for the crowd? Candle molds. What Thomas. company? Uh, it was a company. Huh? They <laughs> they chose it to remain anonymous. Oh, yeah, where, where are they located? Are they going to sell their? What's their five albums? They, they said they wanted to sell their product on merit alone, so they didn't want to be credited. Very generous. And, yes, it's um. Yeah, so these candle molds are compatible with any sort of animal runoff, uh, whether it be beef, chicken, or uh, there's venison in there. You can, really anything that creates grease or residue we actually have the ceo of the company here even uh, horse meat even horse meat wow a yes horse i can Thank have you. glue with it we yeah. have the ceo here the ceo is here yes it's, oh, it's, it's me <laughs> what sense did he come tell me what sense well that depends on what you decide to cook it in yeah. it could be brisket uh it could be a nice uh, southern cajun can i put my finger you in could it? have it uh is uh pretty much under the oh look at this we have the uh Chief Executive Vice President of the company. He's kind of stinky. He's kind of stinky, but that's because he's he's using our soap molds as well. Get out of my house. What a loser. Get out of my house right now. Come on over here. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Real quick. Yeah, we're just great we, we have the CEO. Man. You're kind of What's happening? Where are my kids? Do you want to tell us about this product a little bit? Well, it reminds me of something that my grandfather would say. Well, I mean, that just about sums it up. Thank you. There oh, here is. we go. We have the soap molds. This grams. is actually from organically sourced bison. Um, We'd be there's hair in it. We'd be this is just awful. I, I wish we could get some better sponsors in here, but we can't. Um, We're so hungry for sponsors. We've been eating nothing but we this are, shit ever since. <laughs> We're so a D-list podcast. Uh, animal runoff candles. Buy two, buy three, buy ten for the whole family. So speaking of these guys, who who are your guys in comedy? Who was? Do you remember like the first comedian you heard and you were like, "That's it." Oh, I sp- I spent God. like uh, tons of hours in my childhood. My father loved comedy, and I lived in Atlantic City. And back in the in the sixties and seventies in Atlantic City, there was a place called the Steel Pier, and the Steel Pier would have headline acts come in and do five shows a day. 
And they'd stay for like three or four days, five shows a day. And as kids, we would go to the Steel Pier and just see all five shows of, of whoever it happened to be. We, you could just sit there. Yeah. You know, wow. for hours. We'd go at 10 in the morning and leave at 11 at night. So it was just consecutive um, with, I guess, well, a little break they, in between. They would do, they would do, it was a whole variety show. The headliner would come out and do about 25 or 30 minutes. Then there'd be a movie. Hmm. The Steel Pier was a wonderful place. So it's just a constant stream of entertainment. Of entertainment, yeah. And there was a midway, and the, and they were famous for like the cruelty of the high-diving horse. You guys ever hear of that? I f- they would put a horse up about 100 feet. <laughs> I mean, really high up. The horse, the horse, the horses would die from heart attacks on the way down. Oh they my put this God. Poor, and no, but nobody knew every because we didn't realize about cruelty to animals in the sixties. Yeah. It wasn't a thing like it is now. And there they, wasn't much to do in nineteen sixty. So, and they say video games are bad for us. Yeah, at least <laughs> like this is what was happening. I could just pretend Pong. to push a horse off a ten-story building. Well, that's and they put him up in an elevator in like a horse-sized oh elevator. <laughs> right? He didn't climb the ladder. Okay, and and then when the door of the of the elevator thing would open it was tilted so the horse had no place to go oh my god this is this is an elaborate (laughs) somebody really thought of that this is like something jigsaw would come up with with a pretty girl scared shitless on the back of the horse (sighs) so would she wearing a helmet like that's gonna do anything (laughs) so so is it down into like a pool or something it, it was actually into a part of the ocean. Okay. Because Steel Pier was a pier that extended so this poor, out. <laughs> this poor woman has to ride a horse. Yes. Down into the ocean. The horse yes. dies halfway down. Right, right. This is some Hunger Games. And she shit. tells her mother, I'm in show business, Mom. <laughs> oh, my God. This is... Yeah. Amazing. But there was always something to do. This is the long-winded answer to your short question, mm-hmm. but um, there was always something to do at the Steel Pier. And so we, I saw acts there that I'm sure 99% of the people who are going to hear this podcast don't even know about. Um, uh, people like Bill Dana. Do you know who that is? He, he did a character back in the 60s that he called Jose Jimenez. He was, a, he was like a mm-hmm. Spanish stereotype Okay. Character. Bill Dana, Louis Nye, Joey Lewis. These guys that went back mm. years, um, years and years. I, I regretted that I missed Ernie Kovacs because he was a brilliant comic. And he died sort of just before I became aware of life, mm-hmm. you know, back in those days. So I grew up, you know, you know watching all these guys. So And then, you know, I, then I started listening to people who wrote funny songs. Yeah. And, and all the stuff that I do today really comes mostly from, like, people like Tom Lehrer. Do you know okay. who that is? Uh, you give don't me a little do bit either. of a... Oh. Tom Leary, no. you, I, I think of him as the original guy who wrote a funny, clever song. Spike Jones which goes back mm. even further to yeah. like the 30s and 40s, and he did you know sort of zany, madcap, mm-hmm. uh, funny songs. But, but um, Tom Lehrer was a college professor, I believe, at MIT, if I'm not mistaken, and, uh, and he just started writing funny songs one day, had a career, for about, I don't know, 10 or 15 years, and then said, okay, enough, and went back to teaching. I think he was a math teacher, if I'm not mistaken. That's, that's um, really neat. You know, and wrote brilliant songs. You mm. never heard the Vatican rag? I don't think I First have. First you get down on your knees, fiddle with your rosary, bow your head okay, in great yep. resp- <laughs> respect, and genuflect, genuflect, genuflect. Yep, Take I've heard that. Cross I have. Your abdomen, when in Rome, do like a Roman. Ave Maria, gee, it's good to see you. <laughs> <laughs> that was Tom Lear. Yeah. So... You know, he wrote he wrote a lyric that had a kind of substance to it, and mm-hmm. but yet it was still funny. 
Yeah. And so, so I'm sort of, I, I, I'd like to be more like him yeah. than somebody like Adam Sandler, mm-hmm. who, who can write a funny as hell song. Yeah. I mean, I'm certainly, you know, not taking mm-hmm. anything away from that. But he relies um, on performance a lot as well. He's a performer and, oh, a, yeah. and a good one at that. So would you say that you focus more on the words or the performance, or do you kind of try to do them both? Oh, I think it's all, for me, yeah. it's, it's like all in the words. And, uh, and, and mm-hmm. I follow Tom Lehrer's basic pattern of writing, which is sort of first you pick a style. You know, whatever that style is going to be. Is it rock and roll? Is it reggae? You know, is it jazz? And you pick a style and then you start to feel like what fits into that style, right? And then the words take over at that point. There's a little bit of selling it, you know, when you're singing it on stage. You have to mm-hmm. interact with the audience, right? You have to yeah. you have to make that sort of eye contact with the right person at the right time, yeah. right? Like you're singing a, you know, a hot sexy lyric. You know, you're going to look at an 80-year-old guy? I don't <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Well, part of performance um, at least for me is when you go in, it yeah, you're there to watch a show. But I think the audience has a role as well. You know, it's it's not just the comic 100%. Mm-hmm. There's like, there's oh, yeah. a meeting where, yeah, there's one person talking, but it's a conversation in a way because there's a call and a response. Yeah. And, you know, if that response is not there, if that if that energy isn't there, where you're finding the right person in the audience to connect to, right. to, you know, become one of them, you're lowering yourself into the audience and saying, well, here I am. And we're one, so you can laugh. It's safe to laugh because I'm not above you. Like we're we're here on on the same level. So I forgot where I was going with Absolutely. that. Absolutely, but it, well, I you know I yeah. think that you you walk out on stage and and for me at least the mm-hmm. first thing that you have to do is make sure that the people who are in the way back part of the room know that you're there for them, mm-hmm. right? Because the folks in front you're going to make a lot of eye contact with. That's gonna that's gonna yeah. happen. You know, regardless. Yeah. But the people who are, are who are all the way in the back, you don't want them to start just talking to their friends and, and stuff. You want to bring them in to the show. So, it, and it's 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 an intangible quality to reach, make your personality extend out into the room, and let those people in the back know that mm-hmm. you know hmm. you're here to entertain them. We know they paid for a ticket as well. And on a know? little bit of a selfish level. Even if you have the whole audience going, you're going to find that one person who's not paying attention. And, and not sleep. And yeah, you're going to focus on them. And every time I have a comic in here, I, I bring that up. Yeah. Because it's, it's universal. That's one of the only things that all of us have. Not sleep. That's Where, right. Yeah. That person's going to get you. And actually, it happened last night. Not to me, actually. I got lucky. But mm-hmm. um, uh, the, the gentleman who came on before me, an incredibly funny guy named Norman Clark, he was hilarious. Um, and um, there was a girl about like close to the stage. She was in one of the upfront things, and uh, and and the thing was, she was just tired. I think her boyfriend dragged her there, <laughs> you know, to the show. And and the poor thing, she you know, she was just sort of tired. So I think I would have let her sleep, you know, if it was me, because yeah. I put bigger audiences than that to sleep, you know. <laughs> but but it got him, you know. And Norman, she had to single her out. You know, and he didn't make fun of her or anything like that, but he just, he singled her out and said, okay, this, I'm going to tell this joke. It's just for you. I'm going to make you laugh, you know, <laughs> and he did, or maybe yeah. she laughed just, you know, not to, <laughs> to be a pain, but, um, <clears throat> that one person in the audience, cause <clears throat> this guy was hilarious. The audience was like going nuts Yeah, and one girl's there half asleep and he couldn't let it, 
He couldn't mm-hmm. let it rest. Because and, and it's not even because to somebody on the outside that might seem like a passive aggressive thing, but to you know to us you see that and you're like, oh, he's worried right now because he's going to be thinking about her long after this. Yeah, he's going home like, why wasn't she laughing? That's like right. it's a personal thing. But it's most of the time it's not a personal thing. Like, Unless you're dead drunk or just a, an asshole, you know. You just have to prove it to yourself. Yeah, I, I think he was probably trying to prove it to himself that he's like, yeah, I'm gonna make you laugh with this one, not because you know she's stopping the show or anything, but it was sort of maybe for his own psyche to be like, yes, I'm funny enough to make yeah. everybody laugh in here. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, I'm trying to get over that a little bit though, because the, the truth is, I've had people. Who, like, I know the one who didn't laugh in a show, right? <laughs> I know who that is. Yeah. Um, but I've had people who do that, who don't laugh throughout a whole show, come up to me afterwards and, like, shower me with compliments, yeah. you know, like, more so than people who laughed, mm-hmm. right? Oh, man, yeah. I loved your song about this, or I loved your song about that. That was really great. I said, man, I thought I wasn't reaching you at all. Oh, no. No, mm-hmm. it's just, that's just how that person reacts. Yeah. Just a stern you know? disposition. Yeah. Like, how they not absorb the experience. They're right. They're just taking it all in and, yeah. and enjoying it the same yeah. as everyone else who's laughing. It's, it's like, like hearing a story, you know, yeah. and like you're entertained by the story, but it's you're not like actively yeah. responding back to it. That's right. If they yeah. get up and leave, okay, mm-hmm. or if they throw shit at you. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had that happen? Those are, oh, those, no, no. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, it's not like I, a Blues Brothers situation well, where they're throwing beer bottles at the thing. Well, no, I never played Nashville, but um, no. here's the thing. I, I, I wrote these two songs, right? And the first song that I wrote was uh, sort of poking fun at liberals, okay? okay. And uh, it's called Are You Woke? And, and I played that song at a club in Florida, and half the audience hated my guts <laughs> at that moment. So like I went right home mm-hmm. and wrote a song about Donald Trump because why <laughs> piss off half the audience when you can mm-hmm. piss off the whole audience? <laughs> you just go to right? everybody. And then, so then, you know, so when, you, when you write a song or, or really when you're a comic and you write five minutes of material, you, you don't just, you know, mm-hmm. go on, on uh, The Tonight Show. You go to open mics. Yeah. To, to work that material out and make sure your punchlines and everything are where they're supposed to be. People don't know how hard comedians work to make it look easy. That's right? what I was saying before, okay. where you're looking at the blank paper. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so anyway, I, I would go to an open mic, and, and I would just have five minutes, so I could only do one of the songs. Mm-hmm. All right? So if I happened to go to an open mic where the crowd was the opposite of the song that I did, it's, it's not like they would throw stuff at me, but a, as I would like walk off stage or mingle with the audience, they would avert their gaze. Ooh. It's like, oh, I, I don't want to acknowledge. I feel like it's even worse. You know, I don't want to acknowledge him. And I felt that a couple of times, and yeah. that hurts. I mean, that really cuts. Say you suck or say you're great, <laughs> but God, to ignore me? No, There's come no on. closure in that. Yeah. There's no closure in, in being ignored. That was, I mean, that was frustrating as yeah. hell. So, but that's why you do open mics, right? So mm-hmm. I, had to, I had to sort of learn now, I'll take the pulse of an audience, right? And if more people are liberal, I'll do the song that offends them first. <laughs> See? Now they're pissed off, but it's okay because I got the Trump song for redemption. And you want them back. Yeah. <laughs> and then get them back, exactly. And then they'll know mm-hmm. that I really, honestly, don't, yeah. couldn't care less. I'm just making fun at everyone. Yeah. Because uh, that's what you're supposed to do, right? <laughs> that's if good. You're a comic. Political humor is not something that I touch 
um, in my act. I'm very, you know, sort of abstract and observational. Yeah, well, it um, sucks. Political humor sucks because it has a shelf life. Yeah. Oh, yep. it does. It's, it's you know? yeah. There's nothing evergreen about political stuff ever, yeah. you know? Oh, God, no. Is, yeah. is that most of your act? Or no. Is it just oh, part no. Of... It just happens that I, 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 I don't know. Something got under my skin mm-hmm. one day about woke. And it bothered you. And, yeah. and, and I, I, you know, I wrote it out mm-hmm. just to cathartic, you know, have yeah. a cathartic experience. And, and the song came out and. You know, so now I'm 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 hoping that, you know, if they impeach Trump, they don't kick him out of office because then my song's no good anymore. <laughs> the hell I wrote this. It took me months to get it right. You Donald know? Trump, as as scary as things have been, you know, it's I, I think with anything where there's a thing that affects the whole nation, it's it's almost like watching the band play as the Titanic sinks into the ocean. Yeah. You know, everybody <laughs> knows we're going down. And, you know, it's, it, we know that the ocean's going to be cold, but the band's pretty good. So let's enjoy it while we're here, you know? I just like that. We got I, a show going on. I just like that I can still be surprised. <laughs> you never know what's going to happen, you know? And so w- what other kind of, like, non-political songs do you have? Oh, I have, uh, well, there's a song that I do um, about the worst beer that I ever had. So, when, you know, whenever I do a gig in a place where they're serving <laughs> a lot of liquor... You know, yeah. I, I always start with that because I love people that. get it right away. If you're a beer drinker, you mm-hmm. like the song because you yeah. know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and if you're not a beer drinker, it doesn't matter because it's mm-hmm. about a beer that sucks. So, so you can certainly appreciate that, right? Oh, I love yeah. that. You know, so so I do that. Mm-hmm. I do. Um, I I do a song about my mother. I do a song about my mother's friends, actually. <laughs> my my mother's 94, lives in Florida. I visit her frequently, yeah. and. Uh, um, she has a posse, and you, you know what a posse is in Florida. Yeah. A posse is <laughs> is four ninety year old women, right, in a two thousand six Mercury Grand Marquis <laughs> with four thousand miles on, and it, it smells immaculate. <laughs> you know, <laughs> she takes it to have it serviced every six months, whether she's driven it in between or not. <laughs> you know? So there's there's four people in that car, right, yeah. and um, and the one behind. <laughs> The driver, the one who sits in the seat behind the driver, she's the one who can hear. And <laughs> and yeah, well, and all the other women hate her because she's a show off. <laughs> uh. you know? So if they get if they get pulled over by the cops, what happens? Because they have those dark tinted windows in Florida, right? Yeah. So they get pulled over, and the back window rolls down, <laughs> and the first words the cop hears is, "Don't talk to them. They can't hear you. Talk to me." <laughs> right. Then, then sitting next to her is that's the person who can see. Now, sadly, that's not the driver. <laughs> that's not the driver. But she knows exactly, you know, where to turn, turn left, turn right. She can tells them where to go. And but the one I wrote the song about is the one in the passenger side in the front, yeah. because she's the one in every group. There's one of these in every group. She knows everything about everything. Where they should go, what they should do, what they should wear, what they should order when they get there, when they should leave. <laughs> she knows all that kind of stuff. She is such a pain in the ass. And every every group has one. And and if anyone's listening out there and you're thinking, well, I have a group and I don't have one of those people in my group, it's you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So and and she's frequently wrong too. Of course, like all of her advice is just completely off. That the person wall. is always wrong. So, yeah. so oh, yeah. I, I wrote a song about her, 
and uh, and then then my doctor told me what food I'm not allowed to eat anymore. I've had that, you know. So I wrote a song called "Food I'm Not Allowed to Eat at Home," and uh, that's so fun. <laughs> and and my daughter made fun of me one day, and and because uh, I complain about everything, mm-hmm. and because uh, I'm privileged in that in that way. And uh, and so she said one day she was she said, "Daddy, you have first world problems." <laughs> So I wrote the first world blues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the one you had sent me a video on. Uh, oh, that's right, one hundred one five. Yeah, yeah, that's on. Uh, so I, I got to hear that. That was a lot of fun. It's on the internet. So yeah, I have nine, ten songs. You know, mm-hmm. I have one song that's absolutely filthy um, that I that? only do to win competitions. Oh, okay. I only, I only play that. I can't play it for you here. Now. What's the name of it? Can we know the uh, name? Yeah, it's the name okay. is Logistics. Okay. Hmm. Um, but it's you know I, mm-hmm. I I was entering a lot of competitions when I first started. It's actually the first song that I wrote. Um, I was entering a lot of competitions and losing, uh, just doing straight stand up, no guitar, mm-hmm. right? And uh, and I get tired of losing. <laughs> you know, I'm not that young. I don't have so much time to lose. So uh, and and somebody said to me, you know, there's two things, man. Number one is you're clean. You're too clean. That people want to hear, you know, dirty stuff when uh, when they come to a comedy club and a competition. And the other thing is, you play the guitar. The hell's wrong with you? Play the guitar. You're the only person here who could do it. You'd be unique for that. <laughs> so okay, I took that information home, wrote the filthiest five minutes you could possibly imagine into a song. I mean, it's so filthy. I'm embarrassed to do it wow. and my son came out once with the other eagle scouts in his boy scout no. troop <laughs> who came up to me after i won and said and said mr rapport i'll never look at you the same way <laughs> we all lost our ranks the 700 dirty words you can't sing on television yeah so logistics you know, that was the first song i haven't God, i haven't played that in years i'd have if i was going to do it because i'm thinking about doing philly's funniest mm-hmm. next year and i mean come on that's the song Right, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna have to yeah. like look at the the videos from when I won. When you win, they give mm-hmm. you a video of yeah. your performance. Real quick, if you want to tell the audience what Philly's funniest is for those who might not Philly's know. Philly's funny. Well, you know, I'm not a hundred percent certain myself, <laughs> except it's a competition, it's, and yeah. I believe it happens at Helium, mm-hmm. right? Which is yeah. uh, not Punchline. It's Helium. No, it's definitely not Punchline. Yeah. Punchline just opened. So it happens at Helium, and it's yeah. and Helium's like the A-list club mm-hmm. uh, in Philadelphia. And and it happens sort of in the summer. Um, I, I think really just kind of to beef up business because it's slow. You it's, know, yeah, the uh, summer months are really slow. It's, it's um, tough to book an Kids act. are home, you know, so yeah. a lot of Everyone's on vacation. Come. Yeah. And I think there's six rounds. You, mm-hmm. you have to get through six rounds of it. And, you know, what I've been told is, like, the first round is really easy. The audience, is, the place is packed. They love you. It's Saturday night or something mm-hmm. like that. Round two, it's Wednesday night, and there's 12 drunks sitting in there <laughs> looking at their cell phones. And they're play, you, they have you play in the back of a bar. Yeah. So if you can get through, it sounds like if you can get through weeks two and three, mm-hmm. you know, you have a chance. That's kind of cool, though, that they have, like, you know, death rounds. Where it's you, you got to yeah. really prove yourself. It's not going to be easy. They're not handing it to you. We're you are trim going, the fat this round. Yeah, you're there on merit alone. Right, you right. Know? And you know what? Bookers want to see that. Mm-hmm. If if some of those twelve people in the audience happen to be bookers, they want to know that if you're a comic who gets to a club one night and it just doesn't work, because I mean you know your stuff's funny. That's not the point. You know, to, to get booked in places, you've proven funny. So people know that you can get laughs. But sometimes it just doesn't happen or there's only six people in the club or whatever it happens to be. Bookers want to know that you can just plow through and not get thrown 
mm-hmm. by it and just keep working and see if the next yeah. punchline works and yeah. the next one because people who you know who can't do that you know will run off the stage in shame and mm-hmm. you know and at the very least no if you shame can, in trying yeah if you can just fill your time as if they were still laughing you right. know because then whoever's there they're either just not going to notice you at all or at least the bar will be like, well, he was professional. You That's know? right. We'll and, have him back. And they didn't leave. They drank. Yeah. Right? And they didn't throw anything at you. Yeah. <laughs> so Because when you're at a bar or pretty much any venue that sells alcohol, you are there as essentially the Duff Man to, you know, to sell alcohol. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You know, it's, that's what comedians are. That's the only reason that, you know, there's so many mics now is because right. comedy brings you know, not only patrons, but comedians who want to drink. Yeah. So I think, you think of bars on Tuesdays and Wednesday nights, right? Yeah. Then they got nobody. They never had in. business before, but I, I, there's this place in um, Haddonfield that does an open mic on Wednesdays. Tap room. Yeah, you know yeah, the tap room. I do. Yeah. yeah. So it's, you know, I, I've been there a handful of times and it's, you go over to the bar, you know, it's packed now. And the room where they do it in, that's packed. So, you know, they must have brought a lot of business to that place. Absolutely. Shout out to Ramon. He's mm-hmm. uh, one of the guys who runs the tap yeah. room and also a guitar player. Yes, yeah. Also a guitar His player. His songs are... Hist- he has, has one about Star Wars that you would love. Has a song oh, yeah. I love yeah. called Meatball Sandwich. I think I've heard the Star Wars song. He was at that open mic I went to. Probably. Yeah, I, th- I feel like I've heard that one as well. Mm. Yeah, that's a great song. I don't think I've heard the same one twice from him. I don't know how many wow. songs he has, but... Um, yeah. Speaking of songs, uh, is there anything that you would like to play? Sure. Sure. You brought I'll, the guitar and all the I, music. I did bring the you. guitar. It's true. <laughs> I did bring the guitar. You know what? Uh, I would like to. I would like to. Um, I'd like to let your audience know about you know kind of how this all started. I think maybe they'd understand me better if I do this song. So, see, when I was, I wanted a guitar. From the time I was like five, six years old, I, I wanted to play the guitar. I've been playing for 50 years, 55 years, yeah. And and I begged and begged and begged. And, and guitars cost like, you know, $30 in those days. And that was a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? And and begged and begged and begged. And on my ninth birthday, my father took me out for breakfast. And then we went bowling. And I got my first 100 bowling. It was such a great day. And I came back home and there on the couch in the living room right? Beautiful, red, shiny, new accordion. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds funny, right? Now it sounds funny, but back then, I mean, it was 1963, so they figured rock and roll would last about a month, Uh right? But the polka, (laughs) the polka had true staying power. I think Weird Al's carrying the baton alone at this point. And I I had such a wonderful time playing the guitar as a kid and so I wrote this song about it when I was young I begged my folks to get me this guitar I made them buy me Beatles clothes and promised I'd go far then girls began to notice me and I thought that was fair to make up for lack of talent I had a hell of a lot more hair (laughs) but playing the guitar alone was never quite enough I had to learn some pickup lines to help me strut my stuff. So I developed can't miss expressions and phrases. Imagine this garbage coming out of the mouth of a ninth grader. (laughs) 
Oh, baby, your name must be Campbell's, cause you're mmm good. <laughs> if I were a cat, I'd want to spend all nine lives with you. Yeah. If I could rearrange the alphabet, I'd never put you and I apart. I'm not staring at your chest. I'm connecting with your heart. <laughs> then I went off to college with all my pickup lines in tow and figured I could meet some girls at the weekly talent show. But something happened that first night. I didn't know what to do. It turns out gay guys like guitar players too. <laughs> All the things they said to me, they hounded me relentlessly. Every single garbage line came right back at me. Do you want to hear what they said to me? What'd yeah. they say? Here's what'd they what they say? said. They said, you must work at Subway. Because you gave me a foot long. <laughs> I'm a fireman. I take things that are hot and make them wet. I'd like to melt in your mouth, <laughs> not in your hand. Oh my We're having a measuring contest. Come on, help us settle a bed. I don't know how you women put up with all this jive. I didn't play guitar again till I was 45. There you go. That was wonderful. I was over there like, I've heard this song 10,000 times. <laughs> Can't do this anymore. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. Oh, that was great. That, oh. was, that was awesome. Yeah. How many songs can you normally get into an act? Uh, well, it depends how depends much time, the time they give me. But yeah, yeah, I mean, basically, see, each song that I do has a few punchlines in front of mm -hmm. it and after it and stuff like that. Yeah. So, and, and you know how we work in five-minute segments, yeah. right? You put tags so. to a, a tune. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Cool. So, you know, if I do 45 minutes, if I'm headlining, it's nine songs. If, mm -hmm. You know, six if I do 30 minutes. Yeah. That sort of thing. So is is there a little bit of banter in between? Obviously, yeah. you, know, you have the, the yeah. intros. Right. Do you just do any like straight stand-up, or is it generally focused around the guitar? You know, since I, I have enough songs, mm -hmm. I, I don't really do that straight stand-up anymore because it's, it's not what they want. Okay. You know? Because yeah. when I started out, I have you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes of straight stand-up material. My yeah. goal when I started this was to not have to schlep a guitar around anymore <laughs> from place to place. <laughs> I want, you know, I grew up in bands. We were carrying Marshall stacks when I was 13, yeah. 14 years old. And little by little, as I got older, I started less and less weight. Yeah. Right? Until I didn't even need a station wagon Until you anymore. get this guy an acoustic right? guitar. Yeah. Well, I, even a little one, a backpacker, you know, would be yeah. just fine for me. Um, but you know what they what people want when they book me is is that sort of difference mm -hmm. you know between the other people who are doing straight stand up. Yeah. So no matter how funny my straight stand up stuff is, it it doesn't compare to the the entertainment value yeah. of so doing I, the song. I have two things for you. First off, it's when you see a guitar player who's a comedian. Normally, they're the guitar is something that they just picked up because they're like, all right, this is something I'm going to use for my act. Right. And they're not really all that skilled with it. You were playing a little bit before we got on. Yeah. And you're actually, you know, you're very skilled with it. Right. So it, I, I, that obviously played into wanting to bring the guitar up with you because you're comfortable with that instrument there. Yeah. Um, but I, I, when you switched over from 
um, you know, doing straight stand up to a guitar, did you try to bring your material and like turn it into a song? No, but I, you know what? I really need to do that. Okay. I really do. Yeah, because my whole my like my whole original stand up was was all based around the fact that I'm I'm come from a, a strange set of nationalities. I'm I'm half uh, Romanian and half Greek. Oh wow! Okay. And and the only sense I've ever been able to make of that is that I'm probably like the best salad. You could ever, ever possibly want, but yeah. uh, I mean to complicate things more. The the um, Greek side was Christian, and the Romanian side was Jewish. You know, so what could go wrong? And so my my <laughs> the the concept show that I have in mind, like what I'd like to do is you know half Christian, half Jew. What could go wrong? And that needs a song. Yeah, <laughs> you see. So, so the answer to your question is, you know, like, hell yeah, I need to do that. That would be a lot of fun. So that I could, I can bring that mm-hmm. all back, especially and, around here, you know, where that's yeah. everybody. So, you're yeah. like, yeah, right. that would be a hit yeah. over here. Yeah, yeah, no. that's a lot of fun. I did that when I was a kid. You know, I was. It was so cool. Like people think it would be confusing to grow up in two religions, but it was. It was actually the best thing in the world because the only thing a kid really cares about when it comes to God is how many damn days can God get me out of school? (laughs) That's what matters. And God was very good to me. Wednesdays, Saturdays, and Sundays. (laughs) You know? Well, I mean, think about Easter, right? You get get a week out of school for what they call the American Easter. Mm -hmm. But then the week after the American Easter, I'd have another week for the Greek Easter, right? And if the lunar calendar was with me, after that, eight days of Passover, right? <laughs> so, so I could leave school on, like, March 31st, and by the yeah. time I came back, the Phillies were already 9 and 17. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was close to graduation. We're three chapters into this. Yep. You've been gone for a while, That's right, man. exactly. And they caught me once. They caught me that I took off Ascension Thursday. Do you even know what that is? No, I, I, did, I did a couple shows for like straight up Catholic audiences, and they all shook their heads and yep, Ascension Thursday. I don't think it's even a Christian thing. I think it's a Catholic thing. No, it's to be yeah, honest it's a with Catholic you. Thing. Is that the yeah. day he ascended back into heaven? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. By its name, you can sort of tell what it is. But yeah, kind of but like... if you're devout, you know, then you would celebrate. So I took off Ascension Thursday, and the school called my mother, and she didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> So, so my parents made me sort of choose. They, they were 60s cool parents, yeah. right? The kid will decide, you know, let the kid decide. So That's I just, good. you know, I started thinking about it the way a kid thinks, right? Like, like eight days of Passover, 12 days of Christmas. <laughs> Christ, Christians ahead by four, right? Oh, man. That's how it works. And oh, I got to tell you, Christians made out really good in the Easter versus Passover food competition. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. God separated the water so the Jews could, could walk free and then made them eat cardboard for 3,000 years. You'll, In the sand. you'll be free, but you'll be constipated, your mother. <laughs> oh, that is so good. So, that was my, my, you know, that's my sort of stand-up. And it's, I like it. It needs a song. Yeah, I... I <laughs> Next time we, we have you come back, if, if this hasn't put you off already, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you have that song ready, we would love to hear it. Well, if and, you have food. Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Always. Especially food I'm not allowed to eat at home. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have that list as well. And as long as 
you don't tell my doctor, I won't tell yours. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, my doctor needs to keep me alive. He just bought a boat. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing thing is, though, after 35 years of marriage, for some bizarre reason, my wife wants to keep me alive. <laughs> you know, that I cannot figure at all. She's trying to see what else she can get out of you. She's, she's trying to learn your songs so that when you go, she can take them and... You think? <laughs> <laughs> these are my songs now. So where, where can we see you play these songs? What a great question. I'm, um, you know, I'm going to go down to Florida now and be there until February. And when I come back here on February 18th, I'm at a club in, I don't even know what it's called. It's in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, uh, with, with mine and your friend Tom and Jelly. I actually don't know him. I just oh know really? Him. I thought you knew him from at least from the Breakfast no, Club. No, I I mean I know a lot of people that know him, and I'm yeah. aware of him, but I've actually not met him. Really? Because Tom's yeah. never missed a meal. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. That's half his except act. ours. <laughs> very funny guy. Yeah, very very oh, funny guy. Sure. And we're at a club in Nazareth, Pennsylvania, on February mm-hmm. 18th, and I'm also. Yeah. Told that I'm about to get booked in Wilmington, Delaware. Hey, all right. Which is nice. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, do a show in Wilmington, Delaware, and just go to Florida from there because you're like halfway there at that point, yeah. right? You may as well just keep going south. Mm. So uh, you're on social media. You're on uh, Facebook. Where, where do you want people to follow you? If you are, would be kind enough to find me on Facebook, mm-hmm. I try to keep it simple because I'm doing a lot of different things. So if you, if you just go to Greg Rapport on Facebook... Uh, then you'll see. I have a weekly radio show that I do for Age Out Angels. Is this it is, called Age Out Angels? It's called the Age Out Angels Radio okay. Hour. Yeah, and it's on Hamilton Radio. You have to go online www.hamiltonradio.net, um, and it's every Monday at six o'clock. And if you can't not available to be online Mondays at six o'clock, you can. It's always archived on Facebook. So it's there. I all right. So I'm it's always find there. You can see every show. Yeah, and we talk about you know important issues that affect child welfare. And uh, uh, the community, and you know things like that, how to how to make things better for everyone. So I do that every Monday. That's mm-hmm. where people can find me on the radio. Um, and I can't remember the question. Oh, where <laughs> Facebook? Go yeah. to Facebook. Yeah, just want people to be able to find you because um, you know, obviously, I'm I have you on Facebook now. I want to see yeah. more of your stuff. I'm going to try to make it out to a show. Yeah. At some point, I'll drag Good. this one along with yeah. me. Yeah, no, go to oh, Facebook. We've, yeah, we've ruined it for the teenagers, so it's all ours now. <laughs> all the uh, there's there's a there's a war now the, with the the OK Boomer thing. <laughs> yeah, I heard about. Oh yeah, I heard about that. I talk less now this when I'm, con- I'm, <laughs> I'm with young people. There's this contention between generations now. That we've well, heard. I think the world's changed. To mm-hmm. be honest with you, I think the world has changed dramatically because when I was growing up. You could learn everything you needed to know from somebody older. They knew everything. And by older, I mean people who are my age now. Because mm-hmm. 65, 66, folks didn't live beyond that. We were the old guys at that time. So you could learn everything from old people. If you just shut up and listen, you'd know anything you needed oh, yeah. to know. It doesn't work that way now. Now there's got to be a certain kind of give and take. Technology has changed too much over time it's really the young people who keep up with it the older folks can't right so we know a bunch of stuff i mean i have a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom but you also have to know as an older person that there's a whole lot that you don't know and the only way to get it you know is to to bring something of value to a relationship with a younger person 
um, and then they'll share their wisdom hmm. with you. And it's hmm. actually kind of nice. That's a really good take think on about it. it you yeah. know, that it's a give and take now instead of just a dominant, you know, one side being dominant. That's been the one of the blessings and and the curses of of getting older is. I discovered this last year because I ended up in the hospital with a, a whole thing. And from there, I just had to rebuild my life. And one of those things was realizing I don't know anything. And every time I learn something, I the scope of my realization of how much I don't know gets yeah. wider. And right. the idea that, oh, God, well, how much more is there? <laughs> how much more is left that I don't know? And a lot. You know, yeah. But it's it's almost kind of freeing in a way, because knowing that you don't know everything, is I don't know I think it's freeing. Yeah, and then you're laying there in the hospital, and that celebrity doctor walks in. <laughs> and you're like, doctor. no, I wanted House. Hugh Laurie walks through the Grey's door. Anatomy. I wanted the one from House. <laughs> well, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. That's I really yes, appreciate it. And thank you for sharing that song with us. Are you bad? You bad? Yeah. We've been the All Serious Very Adult Podcast. You can find us all over the place. Mm-hmm. You can find us eventually. We'll be playing on grocery store radios. People will be like, ah, oh, this one again. <laughs> Am I going to have to stop swearing if we do that? No. Okay, cool. I don't want to curse around the produce. I'd, I'd like to tell my cousins I'm in Home Depot. If, if. <laughs> you can hear him in the lumber section. You walk over and you can hear him singing about his first beer. Or the, the worst beer, not the first the one. The worst beer. The right. worst one. Do you have that song? Can you play that one? It, it, you want to hear it? You, yeah. Should I play you out with that? Yeah, let's do it. Let's end the show with a song. My doc told me straight, son, you gotta lose weight or you'll soon be a frozen cadaver. So I set out to find a good beer in line with my new diet of vegetable matter. Now one beer stood out cause it promised to count very low on the calorie map. And though I knew better, I wish I had never ordered that pintful of crap. Sing it with me. <laughs> it's Miller 64. It's Miller 64. The beer that tastes like medical waste. It's Miller 64. Not sponsored. <laughs>